All right, so KCF is a Christ-centered church family where no one stands alone as we serve together to connect others with Jesus. And so today we, we gather to be a church family and worship the Lord together, and our desire is to be transformed by his love and renewed by his presence. So this morning as we study his word, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. Uh, briefly, and then the main text is Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 through 9. In the Bibles provided, page 857, Luke, and Philippians, page 982. So we are in Advent. Uh, today is the second week of Advent. Last week, Tommy French um, shared a message about hope from Romans chapter 8. And one of the things he said was, he, sh- he said that... Um, Hope is the seed of our faith in Jesus. And I never heard it said quite that way. And I thought, you know, that is so true. Because if we don't have hope, then there would be no faith. Why would you put your faith in something that you know is not going to happen? And so he gave us four uh, points, really. And so I just want to remind us of those. First, we have the hope of eternal life. Because of Jesus' work on the cross. Number two, we have the hope of freedom as adopted children of God. Number three, we have the hope of future glory that outshines our present sufferings. And the final one was, we have the hope of God's love that will overcome our enemies. This morning, Bill and Jackie and Mikey Uh, lit the candle of peace. And so, can you imagine what today's message is about? Peace. Who would like to have more peace in their lives? Amen. Amen. All right, so this message is for all of us. So what does the word peace mean? Listen to some of these uh, definitions. A state of tranquility or quiet. Uh, That sounds good. Freedom from civil disturbance. I was thinking of Ike when, when he was sharing his testimony, being the youngest of, of 10 kids, and I, I wonder if his mom or dad ever prayed, Lord, I would like freedom from civil disturbance. <laughs> A state of security or order, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Harmony in personal relations. A pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. So this is what peace is. So I want you to, for a moment, just close your eyes and go to a place of peace, that, that place that you think of like, man, I, w- I would find peace in that place. So just close your eyes, kind of get that picture in your mind. Where is that peaceful situation? Okay, time's up. What do you see? Anybody want to share? Lynn laughs. Like, no, I ain't sharing that. Anybody? The woods, okay? The ocean. Where there's no telephones or anything. Well, you're going to have to go far away. Far away, Margie. All right, anybody else? The mountains. So we got the beach, the mountains, the woods. 
prayer. Oh, Melinda, gold star for Melinda. All right. Dennis up here in the front row. He's like, church. I'm like, yeah, all right, all right. So, um, so I spent my summer and fall of 2003 living in a villa on the banks of a river. And here is an aerial view of the villa. On the right is, is a river there. And uh, I was there on a special work assignment. And about once a week, I would be able to go and sit by the river and enjoy the, the quiet. It was always at night. I'd go at night and dark, the quiet of this, the, just the sound. I just could just take in the sounds and the, and the motion of the river and, and so on. It was, it was peaceful. But uh, occasionally that was uh, disturbed, that peace was disturbed by the sounds of gunfire and explosions in the distance. See, the villa I was living in was in Baghdad. And the reason I was sitting by the river was because I was pulling guard duty. And so my immediate circumstances were pretty peaceful. But I knew that surrounding me was a whole lot of people shooting at each other. Now, while none of us are in the middle of a shooting war right now, we all have battles that are raging in our lives or in the lives of the people around us. Perhaps you're facing a physical battle, disease, or disability. Perhaps emotional battles associated with past or present um, trauma or difficult situations. Maybe you're facing relational battles among your family or your friends or your coworkers or your classmates or your neighbors or all of the above. Maybe you're just facing the daily battles of living life in a broken and fallen world. And so here's the question. Is it possible, is it possible to have peace and tranquility while you're also in the middle of physical, emotional, relational, and daily battles? Is it possible to have peace and tranquility while you are also in the middle of a war? One of our family Christmas traditions is on Christmas morning, we'll gather around the Christmas tree before we open any gifts, and we'll read Luke chapter 2 and Today, there's a passage in Luke chapter 2 I want to read because it directly relates to our question. Our question, is it possible to have peace in the midst of war? And the event described in the passage I'm about to read, it it occurred on the day Jesus was born. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. Um, If you've got to focus, just pretend I'm Linus reading uh, from Charlie Brown. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. I wish I could imitate his voice. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day, In the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel 
a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So what does this say? It says God wants to bring peace to those with whom he is pleased. And he is pleased with those who put their faith in him and call on his name to be saved. So God's desire is to be at peace with us. It's a major part of what Christmas is about. God's desire to end the war between himself and mankind. So who started this war between God and mankind anyway? Have you ever kind of had a feud with someone and at some point you're like, wait, well, how did this start? And who started it? You kind of lose track. So we need to be reminded, who started the war between God and us? We did. Our sin makes us God's enemies. Our sin makes us God's enemies, but Jesus established peace between us and him by taking the punishment we deserve. So listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 1. Verse 19 through 22. Focus in on this. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, so through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, all of us, who once were alienated, and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, in other words, sinning against God, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So God made peace with us through Jesus' death on the cross. Think of it this way. Jesus paid the price for all of our war crimes. Jesus paid the price for our, our war crimes. On the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Jesus makes peace with us, and when we turn to him and choose to follow him, we make peace with him. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, put our faith in Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus, our trust in him, we have peace with God. Through our faith, we are accepting God's terms of peace. His terms of peace go like this. My son will die to pay for your war crimes and you will be allowed to be part of my family, my kingdom, through faith in Jesus. That is the peace treaty that God makes with us. So since Jesus has made peace with us, and if we're his followers, we have made peace with him, then the peace of Jesus Christ can rule in us. This is what Paul said, Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ let the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts 
to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So is it possible to have peace and tranquility while you're also in the middle of a war? And the answer to that is yes. God makes peace with us, and if we make peace with him, his terms of peace, if we accept his terms of peace, then we can have the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. We can have the peace of Christ dominate our hearts no matter what battles we face. So let's take a quiz. See if you're you're getting this. See if I'm doing a good job. So I'm going to give you two situations. You tell me which person has the most peace. Here we go. Situation one, Helen. Helen gets a good night's sleep, wakes up, refreshed, reads the Bible, spends 30 minutes on the treadmill, meets an old friend for breakfast, sails through rush hour traffic, arrives at work on time, has a successful day on the job, gets home on time for dinner with the family, and spends the evening at her weekly small group gathering. That's Helen. Oh, awesome, Helen. I didn't know Helen was her last name. Okay, awesome, Helen. All right, situation two. I don't know what nickname Hank is going to get. Hank, situation two. Hank wakes up with a jolt after a restless night with a bad cold. The alarm clock is flashing due to a power outage. Due to a late wake-up, Hank is caught in heavy traffic. Because of the heavy traffic, Hank has more time to listen to his audio Bible. But the heavy traffic makes him late for work, which means an important meeting with the boss is missed. The boss is angry. The cold is getting worse. A big business deal falls through at the last minute. Hank works late to catch up, shows up after dinner is over, shows up home after dinner is over, and has no energy to do anything but sit in the recliner until he falls asleep. What nickname should we give Hank? Poor Hank. So which person has the most peace, Hank or Helen? Or? We don't know. Hank? Definitely not. Well, maybe. Helen? We don't know, do we? Because why? Many people would have guessed Helen has the most peace. And we know it's easier to be at peace when everything seems to be going just right. And we know that when things are out of whack, it's harder to be at peace. But the correct answer is we don't know if Helen or Hank have the most peace. Because the person with the most peace would be the person who is letting the peace of God rule in their hearts. Have you ever known someone who, man, things go so good for them, and yet they are always not peaceful? And then there's that person who, man, it, it, like every time you turn around, it, it seems like they are in the middle of a disaster, and yet they have peace about it all. So how, then, do we let the peace of Jesus Christ rule our hearts instead of our circumstances? 
It's a good question. So this is what Paul is telling us about in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 through 9. The Apostle Paul answers this question. Now Paul faced tremendous battles. He was not the guy where everything was going right. From the time he gave his life to the Lord, it was nothing but trouble. Let me give you an example. For the Apostle Paul, he was whipped or beaten or stoned a total of nine times. Whipped or beaten or stoned to to the point of near death nine separate times. So he faced tremendous battles, but Paul also lived one of the most vibrant, joyful, amazing, successful, inspiring, and peaceful lives of any human being. So Paul learned how to have peace in the midst of the battles of life. And in this passage, he shares some answers to our question. Is it possible to have peace in the midst of a war? So he gives us three ways to establish and maintain peace in our lives. The first is this, resolve conflict. Resolve conflict. Resolving conflict increases our ability to experience peace. Verse 2 and 3, he says, I entreat, or I encourage, or I beg, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Sintichi to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. You know, one of the things that disturbs our peace is conflict. Would you agree? This week, as I'm preparing this message, oh no, I'll share that later. Sorry. So Paul pleads, begs Iodia and Sintichi to resolve their conflict with each other. And he calls on, and we don't know who, he calls on another person, help them work through this conflict. You know, we all know. We all know that all of us have weaknesses and blind spots and we make mistakes. And when your weaknesses and blind spots and mistakes collide with someone else's weaknesses, blind spots, blind spots and mistakes, that's when we have conflict. And if we want to have peace, We need to resolve those conflicts in a biblical way. As a church family, we try to use the following principles to resolve conflict. We use the acronym SALT with an extra A, so you got to say it like you're from Texas. SALT, right, there you go, okay. And so here's the five steps. I'm just going to go through them real quickly as a reminder. One, stop and pray. Okay, there's a conflict brewing Take a step back, stop, and pray. Number two, accept responsibility. Maybe this is the hardest one. Rarely is there a conflict where you are completely innocent. Maybe it's 50-50, maybe it's 30-70, maybe it's 199, but very seldom is it 0-100. Sometimes it is, but not very often. So accept responsibility. And the second A is assume the best. So the other person, assume the best about the other person. Maybe they're having a bad day. 
It depends on what the conflict's about, but assume the best about the other person. And then number four, love well. Love well. And these four steps all occur, and you've never even dealt yet with the conflict, what's causing the conflict. And then number five, talk to the person, and, or people, maybe it's more than one, and then get help if needed. Not help to win your side of the argument, but help to resolve the conflict. So here's the formula. Less conflict equals more peace. And so the more conflict we can resolve, the less conflict we have, and the more peace we will experience. So we will experience the peace of God when we practice salt and work to resolve our conflicts. Number two, second way to maintain and establish and maintain peace in our lives. And this is the primary one. Maintain, uh, uh, maintain peace in our lives by drawing close to Jesus. Draw close to Jesus. Verse 4. Listen, listen, put, think about who is this describing? Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul paints a picture of a peaceful person. There's rejoicing because the Lord is near. There's no anxiousness about anything. And there's this connection with God through prayer. And in the midst of all of that, there's peace, the peace of God. I want to be that person that Paul is describing. A peaceful person. And notice the peace has nothing to do with external circumstances. Has everything to do with the person's relationship with Jesus. Paul tells us that peace, which transcends all understanding, comes from God, and as we draw closer to Him, interact with Him, we experience His peace. The closer we get to Jesus, the more peace we have, regardless of our circumstances. So to have peace, we need to resolve conflict as best we can, and we need to draw closer to Jesus. And that takes us to number three. We need to focus our thoughts and actions on God. Verse eight, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, I just had something pop into my mind. So you know how people go, whatever? So when next time somebody goes, whatever, say, yeah, whatever is true. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So here Paul tells us what we think about and what we do affects our level of peace. Now that may sound like a blinding flash of the obvious. But isn't it true? that we often depend on our external circumstances to have peace. 
If only my spouse, my parents, my children, my extended family, my church family, my boss, my coworkers, my neighbors, my government would be close to perfect, I would have a lot of peace in my life. Paul points out that if we focus our thoughts and actions on God, what he's doing, what he has created, he, the God of peace, will be with us. That's about as straightforward as it gets. So let's apply it. Paul says we're to think about what is true in order to experience the fullness of God's peace in our lives. So then we ask this question, are there any lies that we're believing? Perhaps you've been told in different ways that you're not worth very much. You're useless. You're maybe you're ugly. Now here's where I was going to say, so during this week as I'm preparing this message on, on peace, somebody said something to me and I... This is how it went in my brain. They think I'm not doing a very good job. And then I believe the lie. Or maybe I'm not doing a very good job. But that's external. And God says, no, the peace comes from me. Don't believe the lie. And so, so the way it pans out is, no, I'm created in the image of God. You all are created in the image of God. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves all of you. You're not worthless. You're so special to the creator of the universe that he went to the cross for you. doesn't get any better than that. And so our peace can't come from what people say about us or to us or do around our backs or any of that stuff. Our peace comes from our relation, our relationship with Christ. So let's look at another. We're to think about, Paul says, what is noble in order to experience the fullness of God's peace in our lives. After all, we're servants in his kingdom and he's on this mission, this noble mission of drawing people into his kingdom, rescuing people from the jaws of death and sin. And we get to be part of that. And so our lives should reflect his nobility. So then we ask, are there any ignoble things in our lives that we think about? Are there things in our lives where we focus on that bring no glory and no honor to God. Thinking noble thoughts like, God, how can I honor you today at work? God, can I, how can I reflect your kindness on the highway during rush hour? When we think those things, we bring that peace that transcends all understanding into our hearts. We let the peace of Christ reign, uh, rule in our hearts. So how can we let the peace of Jesus rule in our lives? Resolve conflict, draw closer to Jesus, and focus our thoughts and actions on God. And then Paul closes with 
uh, this passage with verse 9. He says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And so, if we learn from verses 2 through 8, and we practice what Paul is teaching us, the God of peace will be with us. And he'll be giving us peace that surpasses all understanding and guards our hearts and our minds, no matter what the battles are that we're in. So can we have, is it possible to have peace in the midst of war? And the answer is yes, because our peace comes from the Lord. And so we want to let the peace of Christ Rule in our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, you are a good God. And you love us. And you want us to have peace. You came so that those you were pleased with would have peace. And so, Lord, this week, we want to let the peace of Christ rule and reign in our hearts. And so to do that, Lord, we want to join you in your work. We want to resolve conflict quickly. We want to be closer to you. And we want to focus our thoughts and our actions on you. Lord, thank you for the peace that you're going to give us this week. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to the podcast now, and for more info, including sermon outlines, visit our website at www.kurtlandchristian.org.